0: Welcome to the Complete Manager Makeover Podcast, a management training and leadership development platform focused on providing managers and business owners with practical compliance and employee relations tips, tools, and techniques for every stage of their career or business. Our mission is to slash the statistic that employees don't quit their jobs, they quit their bad managers not anymore, because we are transforming the human and human resources with the complete manager makeover. So today, our conversation is going to be around conducting an employee handbook review in 10 steps, right? And this is taking into account that you have a handbook. So If you don't have a handbook, you might be thinking, well, what do I need to review it for if I don't have one? Well, you might be interested in contracting it out. You want to be looking for certain things. You also want to become very aware of what things should be in your handbook to make it a little bit more solid. So a well-written handbook really can keep you out of trouble. However, a poorly written handbook can also create Some trouble for you. So, we're just going to go through a brief checklist of a few essential items for an employee handbook. First and foremost, it's some information about the company. What is the company about? What is their vision? What is your culture? Are you more formal? Are you more business casual? These kinds of statements, this kind of information is important. So employees understand the big picture. It is also should be the beginning of promoting morale, what to expect, the level of camaraderie, the teamwork environment that you expect. Or there are some organizations that are really about silos and your department is responsible for that. And here's your structure and hierarchy. We tend not to see that as often, but your specific culture needs to be communicated, especially in terms of what it is you do, the people you serve and the way you serve them. That's always going to be important. In addition, your handbook should outline employee definitions. Do you hire or contract full-time employees, part-time? seasonal, on-call, do you have independent contractors? And independent contractors, we want to be careful with including that in handbook language because that could trip a wire between what is an employee versus an independent contractor. And I think Mm -hmm. we had some conversations about that early on in the recruitment piece that we talked about and some Mm -hmm. of those differences where we can trip those wires. And so we also want to make sure that we're defining our pay policies. When will the employee expect to get paid? Now, this is also something that you want to cover in your onboarding and your orientation. That's an important thing to know, when is my first paycheck? When does the work, period end, what are the policies and practices for clocking in and out or signing in and out? Hopefully you don't have any sign-in sheets. It's something digital or a way to really make sure that the employee is accurately reflecting their work period and their work day. Mm -hmm. But we also want to make sure that we establish a work week. Now, if your organization is only open Monday through Friday, we cannot use that as a work week the Fair Labor Standards Act, also short FLSA, right? That regulates hourly wages, exempt wages, is everything pay related. They define a work week as a seven day period. So even though your organizations may only work Monday through Friday, for the purposes of defining a work week, it needs to be that seven day period. So maybe it starts on Sunday and ends on Saturday. Maybe it starts on Monday and ends on Sunday. Whatever that work week is, please be sure that your handbooks have a seven day period and not a five day period, which is typically one of the most common errors I have found in handbooks. That's one of the most common. There's several, but that's the most common. So ensure that you indicate a seven-day period. You also want to outline federal mm-hmm. overtime requirements. Now, you might think, well, everybody knows what overtime is. It's time and a half for anything over 40 hours, right? Well, okay. interestingly enough, there are some states that have a specific overtime requirement in the state that is higher than the federal overtime requirement. The importance of knowing your state laws and your local ordinances is because those are things that need to be notified, your employees need to be notified of. When you're looking at just the federal standard, if your state requirement has something higher, then you have a responsibility to not only comply with the federal, but if the state law is better, more beneficial, you've got to go ahead and do that. Very similar with the hourly rate. We see the federal standard is X dollar in effect at that time. But maybe your state law, your hourly rate is higher than federal. You are required to then pay that state minimum wage, okay, so keep those things in mind. I would not recommend indicating the actual minimum wage or wage in your handbook. We wanna keep the handbook specific enough, but general enough so that we don't have to be changing it all the time. Go ahead and refrain from that, but make sure that your overtime requirements are listed in there because pay practices, as an employer, it is your responsibility to ensure that you have given notice to that employee. Oftentimes, we do that with the offer letter or the Mm -hmm. employment agreement, being certain that specific information are in those agreements, such as At-will employment. At the time of this uh, recording, at-will employment exists throughout the U.S., with the exception of some locations still up north. But at-will employment is basically the regulation or the rule, if you will, that says an employee can separate employment at any time for any reason, and the employer can separate an employee from employment at any time for any reason, except when that reason is discriminatory or illegal. So we can do so. I could terminate someone because I don't like their shoe color today. I would never do that, of course. But in reality, there's no regulation against it. But if I do terminate someone because of their ethnic background or their religious preferences, that is an illegal reason. And so the employment at will doctrine would not take effect. So it's really only for things that are non-discriminatory or illegal when that takes place and your handbooks should outline the employment at will doctrine is the right terminology for that. Mm -hmm. So we also want to clearly define, like I said, pay policies and the work week, ensuring that's a seven day period and ensure that there is also some information in the event an employee has an error in their pay. An error in their pay, it's important for the employee to know Here's what you do if there's something wrong. And this is because many states, and specifically this is being recorded in Florida, have what they call wage theft ordinances. I know it sounds really scary, but basically that is that an employee has ability or the right to approach their employer, their payroll, and indicate there is an error here. I would like you to fix it so that... We as an employer are protected, potentially, from any litigation later. We've outlined, hey, you you have this opportunity to tell us that there was an error in your play. We provided you the parameters and the process in which to do so. You never mentioned it there. So we want to make sure that those things are clearly addressed in your Hammock policies. So in addition, what other policies do we need to make sure of? Well, we need to make sure of maybe the dress code. If you have a uniform, what are the uniform standards? And sometimes even something as specific as what side of the vest should a name tag be placed on, right? These are things that determine your brand standards, the conformance, the uniformity in your dress and personal appearance. Do you want their shirts tucked in or tucked out? We've had those situations. (laughs) Um. come up too. So be very specific based on what your expectations are. The better you can outline those expectations, the better the employee can adhere to them. Make sure information about your, again, timesheet policy, A scheduling policy, how soon or how late someone would be considered later absence when they come in. Make sure use of equipment for those of you who provide equipment for their workday, whether that's a vehicle. In some situations, that may be blood pressure machines and things of that nature. So keep track of those equipment. Using a standard document, we can certainly provide that that says you are responsible for this article, this equipment, for use, especially if it's a vehicle. You definitely want to touch base with us and get some support surrounding the use of company vehicles. Make sure that there are some clauses in your handbooks about their responsibility with the use of company vehicles, that's a critical, critical thing to make sure that we're doing DMV, Department of Motor Vehicle, checks Mm -hmm. on the use of that particular equipment, a vehicle, and that we have that written authorization from the employee to do so. Not just the handbook that sneaks it in and says, hey, by the way, but that's fully disclosed up front, maybe in your pre-employment, new hire paperwork, things of that nature. Make sure if you are offering any benefits, holiday pay, vacation pay, sick pay, or what we prefer as a PTO policy, paid time off, where we take vacation and sick time, we kind of bundle it up together and say, this is the amount of time that you get use it for vacation, use it if you're sick, use it for whatever, but this is the block of time you have. That's always preferred method of benefit time off is to paid time off programs. And then holiday schedules, what holidays will you honor? Are they federal? Do you have a floating holiday for an employee who maybe does not celebrate Christmas, but would prefer to use that for Hanukkah or in Easter day or something like that. So keep those things in mind as you build out your handbooks. Know that there's flexibility in your handbook. There are some things that are solid and have to be written a certain way because of federal or state law, but there are so many nuances for you as an employer to outline how you want some of these things to go, particularly when it comes to benefit and programs. You also want to address anything else specific to your business functions. Do you require certifications, licenses, any kind of CPR, first aid? Are they required to maintain those? Will you be paying for those or subsidizing the renewal of those things? That's an all-encompassing conversation that you should have with your business owner or your administrative team or whoever is going to be responsible for these things because all of these things should be clearly outlined in your handbook. With benefit policies, you also want to make sure, usually the employees go right to that section. (laughs) They're be like, what are my benefits? And so outlining those is very important. If you are subject to the Affordable Care Act and mandated and required to provide health insurance for your employees, then you want to make sure that all of the information is outlined, not so much in the handbook, but that any language in your handbook speaks to what's called an SPD, a Summary Plan Description. That's the document that outlines all of your benefit programs, your deductibles, how they work. Do you have an HMO or a PPO or all of these kinds of insurance plans that are out there? Do we have an FSA or an HSA, right, a health savings account? or any of those kinds of types of programs. You don't need to outline all of those details in your handbook. But what I would recommend is that you put the bullet points of that program and then say further information can be found in your summary plan description because that is the legal document that governs those programs. And oftentimes, a little disclaimer that says if there's any change between the SPD and the handbook, the SPD is the governing document, because something might change in that plan, but wasn't updated in the handbook, we want to make sure we have that clarification in your handbook, that little disclaimer, right? This area is also a great place to put any perk programs, and as you know, with the Complete Manager Makeover Program, you and your employees take advantage of the Tickets at Work perk program. If you don't know about that yet as a member, then definitely go inside your portal. Make sure that you take a look at the very first email that we welcomed you to, and there is a document PDF that you give to your employees so they can log into their accounts. And that is a place where they can get discounts on any number of things, purchases, restaurant gift cards, entertainment venues, although we're not using those too often right now, but all of those perks are provided to you as part of your membership, and that is provided to you and all of your employees. So make sure that, even take that flyer, fold it up, and stick it in the handbook if you're handing them out a hard copy. If not digital, go ahead and send that to all of your employees to take advantage of all of those discounts and purchase programs. Now, we talked a little bit already about the leave time, sick pay, but there's also other time that employees may be eligible for. That might include jury duty pay, which is a federal mandate that you give them the time off. You don't have to necessarily pay them unless your state law requires it. So be sure that you are familiar with your jury duty pay laws in your state and maybe bereavement leave if the employee has a loss of a family member, outlining what is the policy? Do they get paid for it three days, five days? What is it that you're looking to do? And as you're building out your programs and your paid time off policies and what have you, run the numbers, right? If you've got 20, 30, 40 employees, even if you have one, what is the cost of providing these Programs over time based on your employees' rates of pay. That is an important thing to consider for your strategy. Maybe you're not providing those things up front. Maybe you want to grow the business a little bit and just grow out those paid time off programs little by little. We can put a placeholder in the handbook that says, at this time, you just get one or two days paid. We'll give you the time off but the paid time off might not happen just immediately, right? So think about how you want to strategize those policies so that the policies can grow with your firm and your company. So then there's some mandatory stuff we want to make sure there's in there, right? This comes with the sexual harassment policy, violence in the workplace policy, our equal employment opportunity policy, that we are a non-discriminating employer, OSHA, what are the safety policies and practices for those required in safety and healthcare, which many of my clients are? What are the HIPAA requirements? What are the CPR, first aid, AED? Uh, what are those requirements that I have to have? And make sure that those things are in there so that if they're ever not adhered to, we can coach, counsel, and discipline and separate for employ- from employment if need be. You also wanna make sure that you have the information about the employment laws based on number of employees. Because as your business grows, so does the compliance list of federal regulations, okay? Even with one employee, there are 15 different federal laws that you have to comply with. And that just grows as you get to two and three and four and five, and then above 20, and then above 50, and then above 100. And that's why we have the programs that we do to support your businesses at those benchmarks, right? From one to, I think it's 19, right from 20 to 49 and then from 50 to 150 after 150 you need to hire us a lot more often and those programs might not you know work for you anymore because you need a little bit more time for that but make sure to see that employment laws based on the number of employees it's on our website it's sent to you as well in some of your emails so make sure to take a look at that And then of course, make sure that you have an open communication process. What happens when the employee experiences a problem that needs resolution? What does that look like? You want to make sure that you outline to them, here's how you handle it. Oftentimes we see a uh, chain of command type policy, where you saying okay, go to your supervisor, and depending on how many tiers of management you have, go to your supervisor. If the supervisor doesn't help, go to the manager. If the manager doesn't help, go to the general manager, you know, that kind of thing, so that they have some steps to take before they just run to HR or run to the owner, that kind of thing, and if your point of contact is the owner, well, definitely let them know that they have the ability to go straight to the top at any point. And that's important to outline as well when it comes to harassment in the workplace. Well, what if my supervisor is the one harassing me? <laughs> it's important to make sure that there's appropriate language in your handbook when that takes place. And that's specific to federal compliance laws with sexual harassment in particular. And then, you know, nobody likes to talk about discipline or corrective action and things of that nature. However, we do have to think about those things as we build on our handbook. What are the policies? What are the expectations? What is your process to inform an employee that something that they're doing needs to be done differently? I like to say it that, right? I don't like the word discipline. I like the word corrective action, right? We weren't just trying to correct behavior and it's all on how you approach in my opinion. So outline, what does that look like? Realizing that you wanna not have your policy so rigid that you risk that employment at will status being negated, going away because of if you say, I'm going to do one, two, and three, we'll make sure your language says at any time we can still invoke our employment at will, but this is the process we like to use for that communication. And then, of course, in this day and age, the NLRB, National Labor Relations Board. We hear about this board when it's particularly surrounding union environments, but I want to advise you and to caution you that many of those same regulations and laws do reach into non-union environments. We've seen a lot of handbooks that say things like, oh, you can't talk about your rate of, eh, don't do that because National Labor Relations Act allows employees to discuss openly conditions of employment, wages, safety in the workplace, any of those kinds of things. And so when we say you can't talk about those things, we trip that NLRB wire. So be careful that you've got that disclaimer that says, you know, if anything in here kind of doesn't conform to the NLRA, we're not meaning to do that because those things, like I said, a poorly written handbook can still get you in in trouble just as much. So Another disclaimer would be important so that you ensure any EEOC rulings, right? Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. This is the organization that is enforcing all of the employment laws. In the workplace and typically in most, if not all states, you've got to go through the EEOC before you get sued. An employee has to go to the EEOC and say, hey, I've got a problem. And then EEOC gives them a right to sue letter. So that is something that we want to make sure is inside that handbook that any EEOC rulings, because those can change. That anything in that handbook, if there's a new ruling, we're going to follow that new ruling. We just don't know that they happen all the time. So we want to make sure that we've got those uh, particular disclaimers. You may want to put them at the beginning and the end of the handbook just to make sure any changes to the ruling, especially when they're recent, you're legally compliant. with. So that's some information. I know it's a lot of information about handbooks, and that's only 10 things. So with that said, it's been my pleasure to talk about conducting an employee handbook review in 10 steps. Well, that's our show today. Thanks for listening to the Complete Manager Makeover. I'm Lisa Perez. If you enjoyed our show and want to know more about our community or training resources, search for us on the web, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at the Complete Manager Makeover, where I invite you to become part of our community. Please leave us a review and share our movement to transform the human in human resources with the Complete Manager Makeover.